0: Welcome to the Funny Cause It's True podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McGinn. The show is recorded live every other Tuesday at the Second City Hollywood in Los Angeles, California. Storytellers are either predetermined or chosen randomly on the night of the show, and this podcast is a mixed bag of some of my favorites. This episode is all about epiphanies, stories of sudden and unexpected revelations. Kyle McGrath realizes that his mother had been purposely and blatantly deceiving him for years. Carlos Snowden discovers that you shouldn't hate the player merely the game and i follow the advice of a frog because i actually find it the rainbow connection but there were no lovers nor dreamers just me let's not dawdle first up kyle mcgrath this story is about
1: christmas and my mother um she's uh she's a very strong woman she uh she pretty much raised me uh by herself my parents split when i was in 5th grade but uh, she was always the one to to pay attention to me, right? So, in second grade, that's uh, the year I found out that uh, Santa Claus didn't exist. And how I found out, I was in uh, Mr. Evert's class, and uh, Katie Vickery decided to uh, to hold a conversation about Santa Claus, and I was like, "Oh, you know, it's great. He comes, he eats half of your cookies, he you leaves them there. Uh, he even wraps a little gift that's in different wrapping paper than uh, uh, than everybody else." And she just turns, and she's like, You know, it's not real, right? No, you gotta be kidding me, Katie Vickery. Get out of here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my mom's picking me. She taught at the school that uh, I went to, and she's, uh, she's taking me to, uh, the doctor's office afterwards, and she doesn't say why. Uh, so we're at the doctor's office, and, uh, I ask her, and I'm like, Mom, uh, I got something heavy to talk about. I'm sure I didn't use that term, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, "Today, Katie Vickery told me that Santa Claus isn't real, but that's not true, right? He's got, uh, he eats half your cookies, and he, uh, and he wraps his gift in a uh, different wrapping paper." And she says, uh, "Kyle, I'm sorry, but that's been me all these years, uh, and me being a little emotional bitch, just started crying, like, <laughs> like nobody's business, like just bawling, right?" So what happens right after that is Dr. Slotchik comes in. And this is no joke. He goes, "I haven't even given you the shot yet." <laughs> so I had to get a. Uh, it was like one of the checkup shots that you get while you're in elementary school. Right after I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real, uh, so then uh, that Christmas, my mom, uh, she set aside. Um, she, you know, we, she was like, "Well, why don't you leave the cookies out and all that stuff?" Uh, and the next day, I wake up and there's a little note there. Uh, And she had hidden my gift uh, and had a little scavenger hunt around our our place with like little clues everywhere. Uh, And finally, I found my my gift. It was a Game Gear. And it said on there, uh, I know you found out my secret, but I'm not going anywhere. And every year since then, I haven't been home in three years. I'm going home next week, which I'm really excited about. But... Every year she'll send me a a box with with stuff in it, and she still wraps one gift in a little Santa Claus paper uh, to make sure that I know that he's still real. So that's my story.
0: Next up, Paula Snowden
2: moved to LA. I was 21 um, and uh, it was my first time you know being alone in a big city and I was always kind of innocent and maybe naive and uh, never really drank a lot, never did drugs. Like I was the one person I knew that dare like really affected me. Um, and I had slept with one person who was a long-term boyfriend. so my first year in LA I went crazy. I was like, this is a vacation all the time. And I'm going to get drunk all the time and getting high and, uh, not having a lot of sex or anything, but I was in love, and his name was Chris, and he lived in um, a bungalow, <laughs> which is so Hollywood. Uh, and he was surrounded by these bungalows, his bungalow, with all of these other men in bungalows. So it was like the male bungalow area. And we would hang out with all these guys, and like became friends with all of them. You know, we'd watch movies together and have parties and stuff. And uh, there was this guy, Kevin, who lived right across from Chris's bungalow. And Kevin and I I always kind of flirt, but I would just like flirt in front of Chris, like try to make Chris jealous. So one night, uh, Chris is having a party and all these guys are there and everybody's there and it's a great time. And I'm like, okay, tonight's the night that I'm going to tell Chris that I'm in love with him. But first I'm going to get really drunk. So I did. I got really, really, really drunk. And uh, I cornered Chris. Um, this is one of my dark moments, you guys take a breath. Uh, I cornered Chris, and I was like, I love you so much, and I really think that we're supposed to be together. Um, And, of course, his response was, Not interested In a nice way Uh, But in my drunken brain I was like oh god So I remember running across the courtyard To the other bungalow To Kevin's bungalow And banging on his door And I was like crying And I was like it's fine I'm okay And I wouldn't tell him why But I was just like Come outside And like I was flirting with him loudly So that Chris could hear it from uh, his bungalow And Kevin was like great You know hey Let's hang out for a bit I'm like no 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 And I like push Kevin back into his bungalow And I run over to Chris's bungalow And I'm like see other guys want me Why don't you want me? I'm so drunk and in love with you. Like, I'm still not in love with you. It's been five minutes. I, my feelings have not changed. So, I ran back across the courtyard and I banged on Kevin's door. And this time, we went inside and I was flirting with him very, I don't know what that means. It means like laughing <laughs> or something in his <laughs> jokes. Uh, and uh, then, like, we're talking and flirting. And the next thing I know, we're kissing. And then the next thing I know, we're naked. And they we're on his floor. And he's like, hold on. And he goes and he grabs a towel and he puts it under me. And, like, all of a sudden, we're having sex on his bungalow floor but it's not with Chris. It's with Kevin. And I was so drunk. I was having one of those moments where I was like outside of my body, looking down, thinking like, I'm having a one night stand for the first time in my life. And we did, we had sex. And the next morning we awkwardly said goodbye. And I was like, Oh, I hope Chris didn't hear us having sex. And then we just never talked ever, ever again ever again. And it was a one-night stand, and that was the first time I had had one. And Chris didn't want to talk to me anymore after that, rightly so, let's be honest, you guys. Uh, and a couple years passed, and uh, I was at the bookstore on Franklin next to uh, Birds, you know, that used bookstore? And I was with a girlfriend. And, uh the one night stand walks in and he's with a guy friend and he sees me and he's like, Oh my God, Carla. And he runs up to me and he hugs me and I'm like, ah, and just like immediate shame because I had cleaned up my life, you know, like I wasn't in vacation mode anymore. I was like, Carla, I was grounded and normal and awesome, much like I am now. And, uh, and 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 he was just so warm and fun, but all I could think was, I cannot remember your name. I do not remember your name. So we're talking and then he uh kind of after a couple minutes he's like, "Okay, well, uh hi to my friend. Hi, I'm Kevin, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself to you since Carla clearly doesn't remember my name." <laughs> and I was like And he goes, "Wow, really?" And I go, I was 21! <laughs> and so Kevin was the first and only one-night stand I've ever had. And he was the first and only time that I've ever felt like a player. Thank
0: you. Next up, me, Kevin Mayhem. Uh, in 1979, the movie, uh, The Muppet Movie, came out. Did you everybody see The Muppet Movie? Great. Uh, At the very beginning, for those of you who have not or don't remember, at the very beginning, uh, during the sweeping aerial shot, as all the credits are rolling and Kermit is playing Rainbow Connection, uh, we go down into the swamp and he's playing his banjo. And then Dom DeLuise comes in with his comic relief uh, and he's trying to escape the alligators and he shows Kermit a thing from Variety that says, come to Hollywood and make millions of people happy. And that's the motivating factor that makes Kermit decide, I'm going to go to Hollywood because of that. And I always thought that was a very sweet motivation for a character. And it always stuck with me. And as an eight-year-old watching that, um, it was something that was in my head and eventually bled its way into my adult way of thinking. Uh, So this is the story of my first gig, my first time I had ever been paid as an actor. Uh, I got hired at Second City in September of 2000, and I was so excited. I had worked tirelessly to get this. I had wanted this so bad I could taste it, and I had been through uh, so much heartache, uh, so many times of rejection, but I had finally pulled it off, and this is uh, after years of countless improv shows and other shows as well, but the show that really got me on the map at the theater was a thing that at an at a place called The Annoyance Theater, and it was a show called and, uh, What Every Girl Should Know An Ode to Judy Bloom. And it was three Judy Bloom stories: Deanie, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and Forever. And they were all uh, split up, and it was one show based on all three of those books. Uh, and it was very well received, and women love Judy Bloom. <laughs> love it. The thing that blew my mind when I first got asked to do it, I thought, oh, I don't want to do this. But then I found out women lined up around the block. And for the year we ran it, the show sold out every time. And it was just absolutely fascinating, just the mentality of just the bonding that this uh, show would bring for women. Um, and on a side note, uh, the the part I was in was Forever. And if you guys know Forever, it's the sex book. It's the first-time uh, first, first time sex book. Uh, it's about a woman who's a, an 18-year-old who's about to have sex for the first time. She's really nervous. And she's going to have it with this guy. And it's gonna they're going to love each other forever, hence the titular section. Uh, so – Uh, just to give this little thing, because I found this very funny because it's a sex book, we have to have sex on stage, but the way we do it is we're behind a curtain up on this elevated platform. We were silhouetted so we could comedically have sex awkwardly and such. Um, but because I was at a theater that was known for gross out humor, uh, they insisted upon me taking this AK 47 water gun that was affixed with a big dildo and it would come out of the sheet and then shoot water on the audience. It was funny and it got a big laugh, but the night my mother came and the water hit her was a very uncomfortable post-show conversation. Um... (laughs) So, we go back to uh, my first gig for Second City, and it is a terrible gig. We're in some sort of college lecture hall, uh, the ones where there's a podium and then they kind of go up, and there's no lighting. It was just an on-off switch, but I didn't care. I was so excited. I was being paid for the first time, and um, so I'm doing the show. I've really worked hard. I've really learned all my lines, and then... um, Uh, There's one scene where I don't have to do much in it, and for some reason I just kind of, I broke the fourth wall. And I just started looking out at the audience because I could. Um, And I was really just, oh, my God, they're seeing me on my first time performing. This is so neat. Uh, And then I see two women staring at me, just uh, transfixed on me, and then leaning over to each other and whispering. Now, deep down, I'm an insecure fella. And uh, seeing two people just staring at me and whispering and knowing they're talking about me threw me into a tizzy. Uh, I did the thing that I always do instinctually, which is check my zipper just to make sure. And that wasn't it. And then... um uh, I started thinking, Oh my God is it, Do they think I'm terrible Do they think uh, I shouldn't be uh, in this show Oh my God And all these things Started going through my head But eventually the show Went fine And then we were done And then afterwards I was gathering my props At the stage And these two women Walk up to the stage And they say to me um, Were you in the Judy Bloom show And I said yes And uh, we're about 50 miles Outside of Chicago So it was odd To be recognized for it Because uh, yeah, we're pretty far away From where it took place and um, I said, yeah, I, I was. And she goes, oh, we knew you were. We knew it. I told you. Uh, we saw that show, and um, it's very rare that we see shows. It's weird that we see you in two of them. And I said, yes, that's weird. We're pretty much out of small talk. And they say, well, we really enjoyed the Judy Bloom show. Um, and I said, oh, thank you. And then they added this. We went with a friend of ours who was very, very sick. And the other one joined in. Yes, uh, it really took its toll on her. And um, she got really, really bad. But she really wanted to see this show. And all of us went to go see it. And we stood outside. We had some drinks. We talked. We laughed like we used to. And it was a very sweet moment. And they said, she's no longer with us. But we want to thank you for that show because it allowed us to be with our friend again. And to allow her to forget about everything that was so bad going on at that time. And then we parted ways, all of us bawling at this point, uh, just tears flowing out of all three of us, just, um, and in my first gig, the thing that I worked so hard for, and I was so focused on that, that something more profound happened to me in that moment, which was, I, there is something truly magical in my mind, and this is very Pollyanna of me, that this kind of stuff is great because even though it's not millions of people, I was still able to help three people be very happy, even if just for a little bit. That's it. That's our show. Special thanks to our storytellers, Kyle McGrath and Carla Snowden. Also thanks to Josh Callahan, Mark Warzeka, the second city Hollywood and the comedy podcast network for producing the show. If you would ever like to see the live show Funny Cause It's True is every other Tuesday at 10pm at the Second City Hollywood, located on beautiful and mildly scary Hollywood Boulevard. Go to Facebook.com and like Funny Cause It's True. That's funny, C-U-Z, it's true, and you can find out all about upcoming show dates and themes. The next show is March 13th, and the theme will be Backfire. So come out, sign up, put your name in contention, and maybe you'll get chosen to tell a true story on stage. And from there, get chosen to be on the podcast. My name is Kevin McGinn. Thanks for listening. For more funny stuff for your eyes and ears, go to ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.